I'm Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Dr. Kelly Jones. And this is Big Strong. Yes. Welcome to Big Strong Yes, the show where two best friends read books together and try to apply what they learn to their lives. This season, our book is Burnout by Emily Nagoski, PhD, and Amelia Nagoski, DMA. I'm researcher Dr. Kelly Jones. And I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich. The reading we'll be discussing today is Burnout, Chapter 1, Complete the Cycle. Next week's reading is Chapter 2, Hashtag Persist. Go to chipperish.com and search Big Strong Yes to find our complete schedule or look on your show notes to find the link. All right. So, Dr. Kelly Jones, here we are. Uh, you know, we've had our, we're coming back after a long time episode. Mm-hmm. We we did uh, last week the introduction for burnout. And now we're getting into like the actual meat and potatoes of this book. Um, uh, but before we get started, really talking about chapter one and everything that happens in chapter one, which I think is a lot of interesting stuff that is definitely is still stuff, advice, good advice that I'm ignoring to this day, I believe. Um, <laughs> let's go to our homework homework last week what was your homework and more importantly did you do it I did do it um it is very fun to be back in homework for BSY because I do it like I will do it for the show Mm -hmm. I will not do it for myself (laughs) I think I think good advice that I ignore should be a book Mm -hmm. because that is (laughs) there's enough in there for a series Mm -hmm. but yeah I actually did the homework um which I copied off your paper to define the cheese. So again, uh-huh. from the intro, they were, you know, kind of talking about this study where mice could run away from an owl or find their way to cheese. Mm-hmm. And like the goal was to get to your cheese. So our homework was to define our cheese. So for me, that meant trying to pick one, only one, one cheese to rule them all. And so, of course, I made a list of a couple dozen, uh, a variety <laughs> of cheese plate, if you will. Uh, because I'm, I have problems with commitment and choosing just one thing is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is a quick story. It's reminded me when I was working on my dissertation, you have to pick a topic. You have to pick one topic. And I was interested in about 30 things and I couldn't pick a topic. And there was a deadline, which I also don't do very well with. Mm-hmm. And I had written like three different versions of an introduction and I had I had visual like mind maps of all these different topics and I had pages and pages and pages and pages of notes and my and it was due like the next day and I still could not pick which one of they were all interesting (laughs) I couldn't decide they were all good and so my my dissertation committee chair brought me to her office got out an empty mason jar and a bunch of blank index cards and made me write every potential topic on one, put them in a jar, shook it up and pulled one out and said, here is your dissertation topic. You're not allowed to change Mm -hmm. your mind. That is how bad I am at this. (laughs) So (laughs) what was the topic? What did it end up being? Oh, I did a participatory culture in National Novel Writing Month. (gasps) And is that how you found me? No, I had found you before. Oh, okay. I found you on Will Write for One. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. But you're in my dissertation because I, I am in your dissertation. You yes. are. Yeah, girl. Yeah. Um, but I, just to say, like, my tendency is to create big, huge lists of ideas and picking one mm-hmm. is, is hard. So yes. I tried and I made the cheese list, which there was more than one thing. So because I am a qualitative research geek, I coded 
the cheese. Mm-hmm. So I ended up I with these categories, <laughs> right? I color coded it because that is the nerd that I am. There is nothing, there is nothing in the world more on brand, Dr. Kelly Jones, than coding your cheese. I love right? it. I love yes. it. So I had the emotional category. I want to feel mm-hmm. energetic, optimistic, creative, not tired, right? Mm-hmm. Then I have like the big things category, like career stuff and geography stuff. And then I was like, all right, then I want to do all the health and self-care things. Mm-hmm. So that was in a bucket. I want to do all the creative things, you know, writing, knitting and photography. And then I had like this big bucket. It was like all the self-development, healing and spiritual exploration and path to peace and enlightenment, whatever. So... That figured other than money, because if I had $99 million, I could do most of these things. And by the way, universe, if you are listening, I am willing to take the risk to see if tons of money is possible while still being a good person. I volunteer as tribute. I will try it out. (laughs) Um, But other than the lack of $99 million, my biggest obstacle is exhaustion. Mm -hmm. So I decided that my cheese has to be energy. And that means finding it, nurturing it, protecting it, honoring it, Mm -hmm. um, doing the things that give me more energy, doing less of the things that drain it. But Mm -hmm. stress drains it and I can't control all the stress. Mm -hmm. I can't make myself fall asleep. I can't control bad dreams. Um, I've been sleeping with my Fitbit on for a year and my average night sleep is five hours and that ain't good. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't control pain in my body. Mm -hmm. So my two biggest struggles are getting enough sleep and getting enough exercise. And apparently those two things are connected. Um, mm-hmm. So I I had to expand the homework a little bit to focus on two cheeses. Okay. So one is going to be swimming at least three times a week, which I have mm-hmm. done for the last couple of weeks. And then doing all the things that actually facilitate good sleep. Yes. And mm-hmm. I am not excited about this. <laughs> You're not. But it makes you not feel even better, a little. Though. It no, makes you feel I know, better but when I you don't. do it. It might, but I really don't want to. So that was it. Big, huge explanation for what would have been a simple answer. No, the process. Okay, wait wait a minute. No moving on to me yet. When the process of figuring all of this stuff out, I think is really important, not just for us to kind of evaluate our own processes, but like we're working through this with a lot of people. And I think that it's helpful for, you know, people to understand not just where you got, but how you got there. So I think that that is incredibly valuable. And I thank you for your detail and everything that you did there. I really do appreciate people who make their thinking visible. Yeah. Because you don't, you never know what's going to be helpful to somebody else. So, mm-hmm. so it's your turn. Oh, it's How's my turn. Out? Yes. Yes. So my homework, of course, same as yours, was to define my cheese, you know, whatever. Um, what am I working toward? What is it that I want? Um, and the thing is, that's funny is that I've had like a number of cheeses. I am, I am a woman of multiple and varied cheeses, right? Um, at any given time. <laughs> Um, and I've been working on a, a bunch of different cheeses to like continue with this silly metaphor, but whatever. Um, and uh, and then like this week, like literally this week, um, after being stuck for a while and and not able to like move forward or make any big you know changes, um, suddenly everything opened up. It was like everything at once. There's a a, a bunch of different fronts. Um, I'm, my cheese is actually kind of coming to. Fruition is fruition a word that I can use when talking about cheese? I have I don't no idea. No, I don't, I don't understand know. cheese. I was just thinking you contain multi curds. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but yes, I am. I am. I am. I, I contain multi curds and um, all these things are breaking open now. I, you know, I've got like five different cheeses that are all kind of happening at the same moment. Um, and you know, like I'm a little overwhelmed. I've got to say. And you know what? Like I am into. Um, change. Like I am always mm-hmm. the person that's like, hell yeah, let's do it. Let's do something crazy. Let's go to Alaska and work at a cannery for a summer. I mean, this is thing. These are things that I have just done on a whim, right? You know. Uh, so when things are moving too fast for me, like I feel mm-hmm. like that's that's really super fast. Um. So when I'm thinking about, I've got all these cheeses, I've got all these things that are kind of happening. Um, I'm working toward like a bunch of different things all at once. I don't think I've ever had just one cheese, you know, and maybe that's part of my problem too. I don't know. Um, But if I think about like, what is, you know, what is my main cheese? What is my one true cheese? Right? (laughs) Um, Let's go back to how story works, right? So like in order to work in fiction, a goal must have ASPA, right? It has to be active, specific, personal, and achievable. So my achievable goal, uh, Noelle gave us achievable goals. We named uh, the the podcast episode last week, Achievable Goals. Um, It's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyway, like my achievable goal can't be like, oh, I want to be happy or whatever, because like that's too vague, right? You have to have something Mm -hmm. specific. So um, so I have a professional iron in the fire that's been a goal for me for a long time. That's, you know, finally getting some movement. So that's very exciting. That is very exciting. Um, And personally, like my personal life, I'm very happy. Um, Also on the personal front, I am looking to sell my house. And Mm -hmm. I've been living here for seven years now. Um, And it's the last thing kind of holding me to my old life. And I'm ready to let that go. I mean, like way past ready to let that go. But um, you know, in, in some ways, the, the house has been kind of an anchor for me. I mean, it's been a miserable anchor, but it's been an anchor, you know. Um, yeah. And I'm not exactly sure where I'm going specifically, like after that. Um, I'm kind of waiting for my day job to tell me whether or not I can go remote for good, um, which is also another piece of cheese is getting that job on my back and opening up my options as far as where I want to live next. Um, mm-hmm. But all of this stuff is kind of happening in the next six months. You know, so I'm going to be getting all the answers for all of the questions that I've had for the last couple of years. I'm Mm -hmm. getting all of those answers in the next six months. And now I'm trying to make decisions and I'm researching all of my different options. And what am I going to do? And if I move here, what's this? And if we move there, what's that? And like all this kind of stuff. Um, It's just it's too much cheese. Like, you know, I'm a person. I like goals. I like working towards things. It's it's too much cheese. And I cannot pick which one. Like, is it supposed to be one that's like my main goal? All of this to say, I don't know. I did my homework. I thought about it. And I'm no further along. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that's okay. Okay, so we did our homework, gold yes. stars for us. Mm-hmm. What? And I miss the reflections. Like, it's really fun to be back yeah. in BSY reflections. So what were your reflections for the last week? Oh, God. Well, okay. I mean, this week, like, I got my first vaccination. It was Yay! awesome. You know, um, I'm very, very glad about that. But the experience itself was 
really weird, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Since this whole thing started, I have been mostly just working from home, doing my thing. I haven't been out that much. I haven't been around people. Uh, my oldest kid uh, came home for spring break and just never left. Um, mm-hmm. But she has asthma, you know? So it's something that, like, I took very seriously and I just kind of hold up. And I've always sort of been kind of like a home body person, um, you know? So, uh, so I, even though all this stuff was happening and I knew and I felt it at the same time, like my day-to-day life didn't feel, I was one of the unbelievably like lucky and blessed people that I had a job that could go remote very easily. I was already working from home like a day a week anyway. Um, so, so being lucky and grateful, you know, um, for that, I, I was able to kind of just, you know, move into this fairly easily. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and kind of not really go out into the world and see the ways in which the world has changed. Um, but then, you know, suddenly I'm in this convention center in a space with more people than I have seen in one physical space since, you know, before the pandemic. Um, I'm wearing a mask. You know, I'm walking from six foot floor mark to six foot floor mark, everyone keeping a distance. There are signs everywhere about what paperwork you should have ready. Uh, they take my temperature with like a, like a smartphone like image. Mm-hmm. You have to put your, your face in the outline, everything. It was all so weird, you know, and it felt apocalyptic. Like, I felt like I was in an apocalypse. It felt like a movie set, you know, like all Mm -hmm. of the details that you would find on a set that someone had built to show the ways in which a a devastating event has changed the world. So, you know, and I mean, I've been wearing masks. I've been seeing signs. I've been doing, but it was never so like, I was never anywhere in a space where it was so like this all existed because of this. You know, it wasn't something yeah. altered by this. This experience existed because of this apocalypse, you know? So I don't know. It's It, it was such a weird experience for me to be suddenly like in this space and just overwhelmed by emotion. And the thing is that like, I, I haven't let that emotion in very much. <sighs> it's been a while since I felt things. Like I used to be a person who felt everything. I experienced the world through my emotions first. But after having the experience of being in an emotionally abusive marriage, um, something in my brain split. You know, it's not just easy for me to compartmentalize. It's automatic. Like I I Mm -hmm. don't feel the way that I used to anymore. Um, If something is hard or unpleasant or unwelcome, I just shut it down. Like automatically, it's not even a choice. You know, I just shut down. I feel nothing. And the ability to feel things has been coming and going in waves. There was a long time where I couldn't feel any positive emotions. Then when I did feel positive emotions, it was joy all the time, 24-7. And I, you know, was overwhelmed by that. It was all a lot. But now on the other side of that, like I find that when there are negative or disturbing, upsetting emotions, I will, rather than feel my way through them, experience them and process them, I will just kind of shut down. And I thought I would get my feelers back, you know, like my ability to emotionally feel back as I healed from the trauma. 
Um, but the thing about emotional abuse is that like all of that damage is is psychological, like it's internal. If you get in an accident and you break your leg, like, OK, great. There's a process for that. You know what you have to do. You see a doctor, you get a cast, you stay off the leg for six weeks or whatever, you know. And with internal damage, it's just weird. Like you don't know it's necessarily broken until you come across it. Something makes you challenge that part of yourself, you know, so you don't find that you can break something, you know, six years ago and you don't find it until you come up against it, you know. Um, so so basically, like I have been in that sort of space where I'll run up against something and I will uh, shut it down and not feel uh, things that I ordinarily would have felt. And then I've got to start thinking about it and I've got to start processing it. Um, and I mean, the thing is that I think that's part of the reason why I was so uh, pulled into this book, because it is like it's emotional burnout. You know, I yeah. just like I had a certain number of circuits that were dedicated to feeling my emotions, to living my life fully engaged in my life and the world around me. And now I'm not fully engaged. I feel the things that are pleasant and I ignore the things that are not. I'm burned out. <laughs> my feelers, mm -hmm. my circuits for feeling anything that is unpleasant is just gone. You know, and the thing is, is that the the source of the damage is gone. He's never coming back. Um, you know, everything's good. Um, I mean, everything's better, you know, but it was a rough four years. I mean, not just that I was processing yeah. trauma, but we were processing uh, trauma as a nation. Um, there are a lot of things going on politically that were unbelievably upsetting and frightening. And then we had this pandemic, which was like the shit cherry on top of the turd cake. Like it was, you know, just like one more thing to make a bad situation even worse. And then I got in this line. And it was apocalyptic and it was weird, but it also felt it's almost over, you know, mm -hmm. like and it was the same way when, you know, Biden's inauguration, like it's yeah. over. Right. You know, um, not entirely, not 100 percent, but like, yeah, the worst of it, probably over, you know, mm -hmm. Um and so here I am, my feelers are dead, those, short, those circuits are shorted, like they're not working, but I'm in this line around all of these people and having a really hard time not just bursting into tears, you know, and feeling really? all of this like it was it was overwhelming. You know, I'm standing on this line. I'm witnessing a huge moment in human history. Forget American history, like in world history, you know, and I actually felt it. And it was difficult and, you know, challenging and, you know, and I wouldn't let myself cry because I never do. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I was I was like, OK, you know, because I was feeling it and I mm -hmm. haven't been feeling things. And then as I was, you know, processing all of that, you know, and trying to feel my way through that while I was doing my notes, I think that's my cheese. Like, I think that. All of these specific things, extra where I'm going to live, you know, what's happening professionally, like all this kind of stuff. Those are goals. Those are things that I'm working toward. But like I'm in this space. I'm back in BSY reading burnout, you know, because part of me is burnt out. Part of me is short circuited. And the process of getting access to that back, that's my cheese. I want mm -hmm. to take all the shit that he broke like a 90s rocker in a cheap motel, right? Um, <laughs> find all of the stuff that he broke, set it right, 
you know, so that like maybe I'll never be a person that this didn't happen to, but I can be fully and wholly myself. I can feel my feelings, good or bad, they're mine. I have a right to to feel them and to process mm-hmm. them and to experience them. And so being on this line, as I haven't like, you know, cried except when absolutely unavoidable, you know, in in such a long time, you know, going from crying every day to like almost never, you know, to mm-hmm. be able to even get feelings that are are difficult, that are challenging, that are sad, to be able to start to get those back, like that's my cheese. That's my goal. That's what I want to use the tools in this book to be able to do. I love that. And I'm so goddamn proud of the work you've done. I mean, um, holy crap, looking back, <laughs> like, it is astounding. I mean, I'm so filled with happiness on your behalf. But mm-hmm. I mean, honey, you have come such a long way, mm-hmm. you know, and so like getting clarity around this, I want to feel it all. I absolutely believe that you can do that. So, but I did, I just have to remind you (laughs) that you've done a lot. And when you set your mind to the next thing, you will get there. Uh I have no doubt whatsoever that you will get there. But this, this idea of like, you go through this trauma and then you can't feel all the things. Mm -hmm. It was, it was news to me that that was an uncommon thing for other people. Mm -hmm. When I first learned about this. Yeah. Because that was my normal. And Mm -hmm. my, I mean, I I almost always, but it was funny. The, I have a lifetime of truly terrible nightmares. So there's like a ton to choose from. But my first one, like the first one I remember having, and I was very, very little, I think I was Mm -hmm. four or five. And I was walking in a forest and I was alone. Beautiful day, walking through the forest. Everything was fine. And then there was this like weird kind of whooshing sound and all the color drained so it's like the opposite of the wizard of oz right and everything went black and white and all the color seeped through the ground Mm -hmm. and of all the nightmares i have had and i have had some that are worthy of horror movie screen Mm -hmm. sets that one is still the scariest and and i look back at different things in my life and like big traumas that I've gone through and I can see the and feel like the before and after of my mm-hmm. emotional response mm-hmm. in that same way. Yeah. This is before all the color drained away and this is after. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real thing. And it's yeah. not, I don't know where you get training on how to fix that, you know, <laughs> um, but I, I, I think it is a really real thing. And, and it's, it, there's a grieving that goes into realizing I used to feel things I don't feel now, or I used Mm -hmm. to feel things differently. I used to, you know, have access to this stuff. So just, just to acknowledge and affirm what you're, you know, what you're going through is a a real thing. Um, But I, I am also scheduled to get vaccinated over the next couple of weeks. So fingers crossed. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to hold that lightly because I try to hold everything lightly these days. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been so weird. You know, I've also been working from home, but my child has not. He yeah. he works, you know, full time and he he really likes his job and he's good at it, but he is in a retail environment. He mm-hmm. goes in every day. Um, and so that has been and I feel terrible. I have access to working from home and he doesn't. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, God, I I I'm I I need the it's almost over 
Yeah. I am holding it as lightly as I can. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that I've am trying to do is is and I don't want to sound like a Hallmark greeting card, but is is to cultivate and acknowledge gratitude for joy mm-hmm. when I feel it. Yeah. And like because it is easy to forget mm-hmm. that you have felt it. So like really acknowledging that and drawing a sacred circle around it. Um so last night I got to go to one of my best friend's weddings. Yeah. And it was lovely. And, and there were only six people there. We're each other's COVID bubble. But mm-hmm. it was my first event in yeah. a year. Oh, my God. You know, um, and hell yes to this couple. They were like, because they, they were going to get married later in the year. And then they mm-hmm. were like, y'all, nope, we're doing it on Friday. And I, love I it. loved that so That's much. So wonderful. Yeah. And it was it was love and celebration and joy mm-hmm. and hope. And I felt the happy you know, and watching them and the way they put this together for each other, where mm-hmm. you can see like love as a verb. Yeah. You know, because watching other people define their cheese makes me so happy. But <laughs> my favorite part, because I do the favorite part thing now. Yeah. My favorite part of this wedding mm-hmm. was during the ceremony itself. Um, the, the pastor who was there, the couple exchanged the I do's, yeah. you know, which was very nice. Mm-hmm. But the pastor said, it is, you know, super important to remember the the friends who love you, you know, and yeah. the friends who are part of your lives. And so that ceremony had an additional we do component where he asked oh. the friends in attendance, like, will you support this couple? Do you give oh them to God. each other? And we all as a group were like, we do. Oh. And it was so beautiful, you know, but it, it was such a reminder to me. And they, they talk about this in burnout. We are not supposed to do everything alone. Yeah. Like the we do is mm-hmm. so goddamn important, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a lovely oh, kind love of reflection. That. so nice. I know. And then over some coffee this morning, I was catching up in Discord and we have people coming into the BSY thread telling us what they've been doing for the last three I years. I love it so much. It's so wonderful. It so is. I am full of like ooey gooey love goodness this morning. I love this it. Is- I love seeing that side <laughs> of Dr. Kelly Jones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. Oh, that's so sweet. That's so wonderful. And I, I'm I'm so glad that you were able to attend a wedding with Me people too. in your bubble so you could hug people and you Me know. Me too. It was so, so nice. nice. Oh, it was so it. nice. So Yep. Uh so book. Mm-hmm. We are back. We are in a book. We have reading. We're back. We have, we have readings. headings. We, we have, have sections. Do we have to, we have <laughs> quotes from the book to talk we about? Do. So, all right. So here we are. Uh, burnout part one, which is called "What You Take With You." We're doing chapter one, which is called "Complete the Cycle." Um, and so we open up with this idea of stressors versus stress, and what the mm-hmm. difference is there. And I like the separation between stressors and stress. Like yeah. you cannot get rid of stressors. Stressors are going to happen, but you can process the stress out, you know? Um, And this, I think, is the thing that when I read this book for the first time, I was like, oh, okay. So this is like, this is my big, like the aha moment that made me be like, okay, we need to do this book. Um, Because I I suck so much at processing stress out. Um, Me too. I store up stress in my body like a goddamn camel and I carry it with me in humps on my back 
you know, um, it, just in case, just in case I have a time where I am stress free, because then I'll go and I'll borrow from the humps and, uh, mm-hmm. and find some stress there to keep me going and get me get me through the day. Um, so the idea, the very idea that you c- could process stress out that you could end a stress cycle um, was mind blowing to me, you know. Um, and so I thought that that was I liked uh, also the 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 separating out of the stressors and the stress that you cannot get rid of the stressors, but you can process the stress out. That was very affirming, you know, for me. Um, and but there's one thing that that they did. And I don't know if they did this deliberately, and I don't know if it was, so, but I really like it spoke to me um, when they're talking about processing the stress. They have this metaphor of the the person being chased by the lion. They go back to their village. The villagers kill the lion. They eat. They have a big party. And there was this one line. Uh, it was together. The village cooks a lot of the lion and shares a communal feast. And then you bury the parts you can't use in an honoring ceremony. Mm-hmm. And that as the the lion is the stress and your community helps you process the stress, you know, um, then eat its entrails, I guess. And um, but there are parts <laughs> of it, but there are parts of it that you can't use. Right. And so those parts of it that are left over, you bury in an honoring ceremony, like the the idea of there being a ceremony, a ritual, a a acknowledgement. I acknowledge that you exist. I acknowledge there are parts of this that are left over. Uh, mm-hmm. Things I cannot resolve, things I cannot fix, right? Let me bury that with an honoring ceremony, knowing that I did what I could, and now I have to leave this part of it behind. I, I liked that idea. I like the idea of a ceremony for putting the stuff away that isn't yours to carry or that you just can't carry, you know? Yeah. Uh, because again, camel humps. Like, I am, I am stress camel humps, which... May end up being the title of this episode. I don't know. We got to see what happens. But um, but I mean, I carry that shit with me. Like all of the things that I was unable to resolve or that were outside of my power to fix, you know, like I, I carry all of that with me. The idea of burying it, having a ceremony, honoring it, honoring myself and moving the fuck on like that mm-hmm. is huge for me. Um you know, and so I, I really I liked that whole thing. I liked that whole metaphor. It was really it was really interesting. How did you respond to this part of the book? So I I love your take on this because mm-hmm. I was thinking I was a stressed cactus. Like I can be <laughs> in the desert and we can go without rain for I don't know yes. a year. I I, I have will plenty. develop my own stress. I've I can pull away. from reserves, baby. That's like right, it's baby. fine. I mm-hmm. have enough. Um, but I, I really like you pointing out the idea of this burying what you can't use mm-hmm. and having some kind of ceremony around that. Like it, you, you pulled out more poetic metaphor from that than I did, which I mm-hmm. like. There was a quote at the beginning of this section that said, "Dread is anxiety on steroids." There you go. And I said, "Holy shit!" That explains mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. And I really liked them getting kind of specific about stressors versus stress, mm-hmm. because the stressor, the stressor is what activates the stress response in your body. Mm-hmm. And they categorize those, which, you know, I appreciate. Yeah. So you have the external ones, work, money, family, time, society, mm-hmm. and then the internal self-criticism, body image, identity, memories in the future. <laughs> and I was like, bingo, 
check. Like, do I get bonus points for checking them all? Like, I win. I had my bingo scorecard. And I think check, body check, image check. is the free space in the middle, right? That's yeah, the one that everybody, like everybody gets, everybody, no right, matter what. Check, right, check, exactly. check. And I was like, I think I win, you know. Um, <laughs> I win. <laughs> I win. And, um, but they pointed out that, like, your your physical body and, and the neurological structure and chemicals of your brain change in response to a perceived threat. Mm-hmm. So like it is a a real thing that happens to you. And when that threat is over, your body needs to know that you're safe and telling yourself that you're safe doesn't work. Your body doesn't speak words. Yes. And this has been an incredibly hard lesson for me. Yes, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I am talking to this body with exactly. words. I am trying to and, communicate and with you like a goddamn adult. Right. Would you not listen to me. Yes. Does not work. Mm-hmm. Does not work. You can mm-hmm. only communicate with your body in the language of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really thought that that was super interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, especially because like, I don't know about you. Well, I mean, I do because you've told me. But anyway, like <laughs> the idea that I can think my way through anything, that I can reason oh, yeah. and logic my way through anything. Yes. That if I just I can think it through. And then once I realize you know, like once I realize that these are the these this is the way that it is. I've had my little intellectual breakthrough then mm-hmm. I can handle it on an intellectual level and we can keep yep. it in this nice, civilized intellectual space. And then I don't have to go eat 45 pieces of raw cookie dough. So, yeah, like, yeah, I, I the yeah, the idea of separating out the bodily from the the intellectual um, and being able to understand that they are part of a system that affects each other, you know, like yep. that is that is really you know challenging for me. But we're gonna get to that. We get to the challenge. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, so uh, the next part of this is all about getting stuck in your little stress camel humps, which is basically mm-hmm. where I <laughs> I live. <laughs> Most of my life, right? Um, so th- there's this line that, that they have that says, you know, the, the stress is only bad when the stress outpaces our capacity to process it, which is, you know, like I think almost my universal experience with stress because I don't yep. really process stress out. I, I ignore it and then I store mm-hmm. it and then I run back to it later on and just, you know, sip from it, you know. Um But one of the things that they were talking about was that a lot of the time we cannot process our stress because we need to be polite, right? It is impolite to express your stress and your your actual genuine feelings, you know? Um, And there's this, this line, many of us were raised to be good girls, to be nice, right? I remember... I think it was I think it was in BSY. It might have been in Still Dead, but I'm pretty sure it was BSY where you were like, you know, told as a child that you had to be sweet and that the idea of being sweet is so gross to you, you know, and Mm -hmm. I understand that. Um, I completely understand that. Um, But for me, like, that's nice, you know. Um, And I think that like I've come to the uh, to the conclusion that it is nice is bullshit and not necessary. Kindness is what's necessary. And um, because Dr. Kelly Jones is my best friend, uh, I had this thought. (laughs) And I looked it up and I was like, okay, well, let's see what the definitions are, right? So I went to the ah. dictionary. You're going to be so proud. I defined my goddamn terms. I finally I am learned. So proud. I have finally learned. Um, so nice is pleasant, agreeable, satisfactory. 
right? Mm -hmm. Which is all like an external experience of you. That is you from the outside in, from somebody else. You are this to somebody else, right? Kind is having or showing, possessing of yourself, a friendly, generous, and considerate nature, right? That, that That's just the difference. It feels like nice is an external expectation put upon you to shut up, sit down, and sacrifice all of yourself like the fucking giving tree, which, by the way, is a book that I hate. Um, oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Let's not even with that. Um, <laughs> Shel Silverstein, hit and miss, right? Um, so, uh, but kindness, like kindness is something that you choose to be, you know, that you choose to, to in your interactions with other people, you choose to be kind, not just because it is good for them, but it's good for you. And I think kind means honoring the human in someone, which is different from protecting them from a moment's discomfort, right? Yeah. You know, making someone uncomfortable is sometimes the kind thing to do. It's not the nice thing to do, but it's mm -hmm. the kind thing to do. And it honors the human in them. And quite honestly, sometimes we should be uncomfortable. Sometimes we need to be uncomfortable. Nice also, at least for me, you know, throughout my life has been a, a hiding place, right? Yeah. If I'm super nice to everybody, you know, then nobody can complain to me. Nobody can be mad at me. Nobody can be upset with me. Because my thing is like, I don't want anybody to be upset with me. I don't want anybody to be like mad at me, regardless of whether or not I'm right. Like it does, it's not even a consideration. I just don't want anybody to be upset with me. Um, and when you hide yourself in niceness, when that is niceness is the protective cloak that you put over yourself to protect yourself from people's judgment, from their anger, you know, um, it becomes safer to swallow your stress than express it, which is what they say, right? You know, it's safer yeah. to swallow your stress than express it because of the consequence that you'll have if somebody is displeased with you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then and then that is something to swallow your stress, right? To store it up like a camel, like a cactus, <laughs> these desert organisms that store that's it up right. and hold it. Um, you know, that's not good for you. Like over time, that does like a fair amount of damage. Um, and so I found that like a really kind of interesting thing to sort of think about. Um, and I, I long ago came to the conclusion that nice is bullshit and kindness is really where I want to land. Um, yeah. But it's it's interesting when you think about the fact that that this is something that is expected, um, often expected of people who who identify and present as women, um, you know, and um, and 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 AFAB people assigned female at birth are, are raised, you know, for a certain period of time in that, you know, like this is the expectation of you. Be nice. Yeah. Sacrifice yourself for others. Yeah. Don't be disruptive. Don't make anyone else uncomfortable. But mm -hmm. I, yeah, and, and I certainly identify with that. But I think the giving tree, and maybe this is because of my love for Shel Silverstein, mm -hmm. but I think the giving tree is supposed to be a cautionary tale. It is a dystopia. It is a tragedy. And like Romeo and Juliet, it gets called a romance when it ain't. So <laughs> I I guess because it was presented to me, it was presented oh, to me as a child as me this too. is this is your best possible outcome is that you can sacrifice everything that you are 
And so that idea of like uh, the um, the glorification of self-sacrifice, especially yep. as an expectation for feminine of center, um, I find to be, uh, you know, to be highly destructive, a highly destructive mindset. And it has been for me. Um the other thing that they talked about in this uh, in this chapter, which um, you know was uh, triggered a lot of stuff for me, is the the stress response. Right, the, there's yeah. fight, there's flight, and there's freeze. You know, um, and I've had you know fight, I've had flight, but it's the freeze that to me. Um, is are is the response that when I've had it, I've struggled with processing that the most. Um, what they say in the book is freeze happens when the brain assesses the threat and decides you're too slow to run, too small to fight. So your best hope for survival is to quote unquote play dead until the threat goes away or someone comes along to help you. Um, and if you don't know that freeze exists, you may think about a circumstance where you were unsafe and wonder why you didn't kick and scream. And yeah. that is the one that I think hit me the hardest because those are the circumstances um, where I blame myself for what happened, even though if you if I reverse that a little bit, if I play the role of the the person doing the harm and and, you know, the very idea of doing to someone what was done to me is so fucking abhorrent. And if that was the circumstance, I would hold myself absolutely responsible for doing that because you mm -hmm. know it's wrong. And yet when I when I live in my own, it's because I froze, because I was so scared and so traumatized that I froze and that I didn't say anything and that I let it happen. That is a struggle for me. Like the freeze response it's, is a real, real struggle for me. And I'm still having trouble kind of working through that. Yeah, it's tough. It's 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 really, really tough. Um, I have notes about that, too. But mm -hmm. um, I was raised and taught to freeze. So like fighting yeah. was never an option. Flight was not an option, like explicitly mm -hmm. how to freeze. Yeah. And and I got, I'm real good at it. Um, mm -hmm. So it is my default and it is an overwhelming default. And it is supposed to be the last ditch effort. And for mm -hmm. me, it is step one. So right. it was really hard to read through some of that stuff too. Like it's, it's, it's tough, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I was also interested in their ideas of chronic stressors mm -hmm. and chronic stress. You know, that it's only bad when stress outpaces our ability to process it. I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, okay. But what if that's always the case? <laughs> um, <laughs> you right. know, like, I, you yeah. know, I, it, calculus will always outpace my ability to do calculus. So I, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, God, they, I want that stitched on a pillow so bad. <laughs> um, you know, and they said we get stuck when it's safer to freeze. And I was like, well, thank you for reading my damn diary. Like, mm -hmm. I have feelings about that. Um, <laughs> and then they hit me with this. Most of us are walking around with decades of incomplete stress response cycles simmering away in our chemistry, just waiting for a chance to complete. And I'm like, great. Mm -hmm. So I am the human equivalent of boil, boil, bubble, toil and trouble. Like I'm a fucking cauldron <laughs> just going all the time. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. that's, you know, that's great. We're having and wonderful <laughs> discoveries about ourselves in this process, yeah, it's, right? It's so good. It's so good. Um, because I am a freezer, you know, mm -hmm. and side note, I've always wanted my own walk-in freezer because I, <laughs> I really like being able to cool off really fast when I get hot. But 
They described freeze as the last ditch stress response reserved for threats that the brain perceives as life threatening when fight or flight don't stand a chance. And I'm like, well, great, because that is my everyday normal. Um, And I was struggling with that a little bit. And then I found this video. So Mm -hmm. I love synchronicity when you're like reading one thing and something else pops out and, and they just connect and they open a new door for you. So uh, Jessica McCabe on YouTube has this wonderful channel called How to ADHD. Mm-hmm. And so she is just like explaining so many things about ADHD and inattention and just stuff that makes so m- resonates with me and just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. But she has this video about what she calls the wall of awful, which is and the, the name of the video is why is it so hard to do something that should be easy? Oh, why do I spend 20 minutes staring at the dishes in my sink when it would take me eight minutes to do the dishes? (laughs) Right. (laughs) This is the kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And so that video for me was amazing because they talk about this wall of awful that gets built up in your mind around Mm -hmm. a task. And the bricks are made of every kind of resistance, including every time you have failed in that area your whole life. Oh, my God. And all the bad feelings you've had about it's a great video okay but when they were they were talking about how to get over the wall and they introduced the first like there are three ways to do it that are really bad so Mm -hmm. don't do these three ways and the first was to hulk smash so you get really pissed off and you yell at somebody well fine i'll go do the fucking dishes get off my case well that's not kind or helpful it sounds like you recorded uh me last night no (laughs) but see i don't do that so i was like no i don't do that Mm-hmm. And then you go around it. So like you find, I don't know, maybe an elaborate system for doing the dishes or some creative way. I don't know, some way mm-hmm. to go around it or you ignore it and you just don't do it. You know, mm-hmm. or you I'm too busy to do this right now. And maybe the fairies will do it for me while I'm gone. Right. And that's flight, which mm-hmm. I also don't do. Like th- these are supposed to be step one and two. And I skip and always <laughs> jump to step three, which is freeze. Yeah. And what they called freeze, they call it stare at it. So you sit there and look at the wall of awful Uh and think of how terrible you are as a person that it's hard and how much you suck and how terrible it is and all the bad things it says about you. And you run that loop while you're staring at the thing. And I'm like, yes, that's (laughs) me. This is my every day. So (laughs) but hearing the fight, flight or freeze in like this very small daily context Mm -hmm. really cracked open this section of the book for me. Because I was thinking about it in terms of big trauma responses. Yeah. And I realized, no, I freeze whether it is big or tiny. It doesn't matter. I am so hardwired, I think, because the environment I grew up in was so mm-hmm. stressful. Um, yeah. My therapist has this really cute, she'll do this pause every once in a while. And then she'll just say, and your childhood. Dot, <laughs> dot, dot. And it's now become a joke, which is great because I love being able to laugh at my trauma. But I think I was in such a high stress environment for mm-hmm. so long that I am just hardwired. I skip fight and yeah. fight and I just freeze. Mm-hmm. So it was it's really helpful to me to understand that is supposed to be the last try. Right. <laughs> you know? Like that's mm-hmm. that's not what you're supposed to do first. Mm-hmm. Um but also, I goddamn, like that's, I feel like I'm not even doing stress right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, 
freeze is uh, god it's the worst out of all of them like if i get and i get you know i get fighty i get flighty you know like those things like i'll go through those the freeze happens for me when i'm in the worst scenarios you know um and the feeling of not doing anything is is just so much worse like for me you know the Mm -hmm. the inaction because you know me like my i combat everything in my life with action like give yeah. me something i can actively do and i'm happy i'm ready to go you know um so the the inaction of it and freeze is something that has only happened to me in in recent years with the really really bad um things you know um so yeah it's uh it's awful um and then of course we move straight from all of that into the feels section oh, right yes <laughs> Um, so, so, so they're talking about like, you know, what are the words that describe, you know, these things and, and what are the words that describe the emotion of freeze words that might feel right, shut down, numb, immobilized, disconnected, petrified beyond emotion. And that's like what I've been talking about. Like I have been there for a long time. I have set that emotion down where I will not feel it, you know, um, And the feels, I think, is what I hit when I was getting the vaccine, you know, and eventually it took like, I can't even it's embarrassing how many hours it took me. It took me hours to finally be able to sit down to a point where I could actually cry for a few minutes. And then when I cried for a few minutes, I was like, okay, but I fought it for hours. I do not embrace the feels. I am not okay, But that you person. did it in the same day. So you're still <laughs> roughly four years ahead of me. And like, there is no embarrassing. You cry uh, when you can. Like there is, we are not judging the shit. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I, when I first saw the feels, I was like, oh, they're talking about emotions. Ha ha ha. And then I read it. <laughs> it's not the thing. And, <laughs> but yeah. they were talking about what an animal body does after freeze Mm -hmm. to come back to whole. So like if you see an animal on the side of the road who has played dead, they will start, their whole body will shake for a minute and then they'll come back and and be okay because that shaking is what gets them out of freeze and back into feeling safe. Mm -hmm. And I skip that part. I go from freezing to like back to whatever the thing is. And so they were describing like defining the feels saying we don't have words for the experience mm-hmm. of having the brakes come off the shaking shuddering muscle stretching involuntary response that is often accompanied by waves of rage panic and shame and if you don't know what it is it can feel scary and you might fight it or control it and i'm like mm-hmm. baby i control that shit like a boss <laughs> like i'm sorry I'll, I'll control yours for you if you want like i ha- i can probably marionette i don't know five or six people at once like right this, and i'm reading it and i'm like and exactly like, are you not supposed to fight it or control it like, you're supposed to what, what feel it feel, i mean like, come on uh, come on That's so you tell me i have this highly developed skill set that has no value on the job market like come on <laughs> I'm really good at this. Right. Um, so <laughs> they were they were talking about, you know, like um, when you feel the thing in your body, like say you're crying for no reason. Mm-hmm. They were like crying for no apparent reason. Great. And I was like, OK, this is I'm sorry. Is it backwards pants day? Like what exactly. is this? And <laughs> awareness and insight are not required for the feels to move through you and out of you. So basically, uh-huh. they are telling me. Yeah. 
I don't have to think about a thing. Uh huh. I just have to feel the thing in my body. I have initials after my name that say <laughs> I'm good at thinking about things. Like I chose that area of specialty for a reason. Yes. And now I'm like, I, I feel like I've been studying, you know, like the beta max. Like I did my research mm-hmm. on beta when VHS was developing their shit. I'm like, I've done all this work completely wrong. And it's a little distressing. Oh, my God. Can I tell you how my heart just fluttered when you made like a 1980s technology joke? All for that you, baby. That is the most, that <laughs> delighted me so much. I cannot even tell you. I'm so glad. <laughs> I Try love to pick it. the metaphor for you. Exactly. Girl, you know your audience is what I'm saying. So um, I love that. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, the idea that, and this is the thing, and I think that you and I both do this same, like, we will function in the area of the intellectual, give me the analysis, let me analyze, I will analyze the fucking house down about my feelings, and about where I am, and all of that kind of stuff. But if you want me to feel it in my body, which by the way, my body and I have an antagonistic relationship, we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. Um, Yeah, like all of that is so, you know, like, uh, what? You know, and and also like, why, but why can't I though? Like, that's part of it too, is that like, this is just, I just want this one thing to be something that I actually am good at. I am good at sitting down and thinking about it, figuring it out. And then that's supposed to fix it. And the idea that it's, it's exactly that trying to separate mind and body, intellect and emotion that that may be some of the problem, the source of the problem. So the the fix, the medicine that I've been going to automatically my whole life is actually aiding and abetting the poison. Well, you know, God damn it. Right? <laughs> right. What I I'm mean, saying. That's just it's like, well, <laughs> God damn it. No, I'm just going like, to sit here with my camel humps and store this shit in there, too. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so glad I did it wrong because I did it wrong real hard. I did it so <laughs> hard. So I know. So good. And then to add insult to injury, to throw <laughs> salt on the wound, we get to this, the most efficient way to complete the cycle, right? So we've gone through this whole thing that in order to get, you know, to get the stress out of your body so that it is not creating additional damage, you have to process it through your body. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to understand where it comes from. You just have to process it through your body. All right, fine. Fuck you, but fine, right? Whatever. Then we get to the most efficient way to complete the cycle, the most efficient way to process this through your body. And they write this, physical activity is the single most efficient strategy for completing the stress cycle. And I'm like, well, damn, are you sure it's not eating chips or smoking, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or drinking? And two out of three of those I have quit doing, by the way. So um, and, the, and eating chips is not the thing. Uh, I'm still doing that. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and then they go through this whole list. There's like other ways, you know, physical activity is the best, but other ways that are also available to you, you know, breathing, positive social interaction. That one's usually pretty good for me. Laughter, affection. Um, And that was hilarious, too, because I read this book, you know, a few months ago and, you know, height of the pandemic kind of thing. Me and my Mm -hmm. kid are the only people that either one of us sees, you know, in in person. Um, So I read that, like, hug someone. 
one for 20 seconds thing. And the next day I grabbed my kid and hugged her for 20 seconds. And it was awkward. And I don't <laughs> think it made her feel better, you know? So I'm just saying that like, you know, um, that 20 seconds thing is a little weird uh, sometimes, uh, especially, you know, like I would hug her every day, but like a quick, normal, you know, you have your mom hugging you for 20 seconds because she read it in a book. I mean, I'm just saying I, this kid, <laughs> when she finally gets to go back to school after she gets her vaccine, um, she's, you know, I should buy her a car or something. Anyway, um, so a big old cry is another one. That's when I, mm -hmm. I generally struggle with um, and creative expression. You know, which is creative expression is something I do all the time. I'm not sure that it processes my stress, but if it does, great. Awesome. You know, um, but basically the ones that work for me, uh, you know, against my my will is physical, you know, activity. Take a walk, you know, do a dance, um, that kind of thing. Uh, breathing. I, I've been doing breathing exercises. They are absolutely effective. Crying, the thing I will not do. I will mm -hmm. not. It will happen only against my will. Um but, you know, you have to do something. You have to feel through your body, process this through your physical, you know, existence on this plane. Um, and then your body response when you complete a cycle, trembling, crying, et cetera. And then they end with this, which I just found to be an insult, right? Quote, unquote, I, sh I shit you not. Trust your body. Uh -huh. Trust my body. My body and I are not friends, lady. Like, this is not, this is an antagonistic relationship. My body exists to carry my brain around, and that's it. Like, that's the way. And I've been better about it. I've been exercising, like, I would say three times a week on average, if not more, since October. So, I mean, that's good. So, that's, yeah. and I do feel, I do feel the difference. I, I know it's true, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, you know. It's a lot to think that I that that is how it's done. That that is the the option, the best option that is available to me. Um, it's just depressing. So, how did you feel about this section? So, my first, I mean, I thought I was being sarcastic, and then I realized I might be being a little snarky, but uh -huh. uh, also, yeah, okay, I I think this is correct. <laughs> so, they said the best way to to complete the cycles: physical activity, breathing, positive social interactions, laughter, affection, crying, and creative expression. Mm -hmm. I said, great, that's just good sex. Yeah. So, like, problem <laughs> solved. I'm good to go. So done. Check. We're, wait we're a minute. Great. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you're telling me <laughs> that a vibrator or a willing partner, and that's the only thing I need. <laughs> Well, I mean, so like really not just like a medicinal organism, mm -hmm. but like the ex an experience. So you the are going to have physical activity. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're going to be breathing. You know, if it is yes. with another person, it's a mm -hmm. positive social interaction. If it's yes. one on one, then you have to be loving to yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. I highly recommend laughing in that during time. sex. You know? Absolutely. You've yes. got to have the affection tap mm -hmm. turned on, you mm -hmm. know, and you might cry a little. I, I'd say crying <laughs> is optional. Um, and if you really have fun with it, creative expression is going to happen. So I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I love that whole, that's brilliant. Yeah. Problem solved. You know, Problem but, solved, baby. <laughs> but, you know, that's not always available mm -hmm. in the moment when you need to put stress through your body. So yeah. what I really liked with this um, was the idea that you have to do something. Yeah. Like, you have to do something. 
And I have been repeating that to myself several times a day. Um, You have to do something. You cannot just think about it, Mm -hmm. Kelly. You have to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I really liked their – I had like an aha with their idea of creative expression because I don't know why. Like I I understand the connection between reading fiction and empathy. I Mm -hmm. get that. Right. And I know that creative work is good cognitively. Like Mm -hmm. I understand how it's good for your brain. Sure. But I had not really thought about the emotional connection mm-hmm. of of stress or feelings and, and creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they said um, that the Dr. Sikowski said creative expression creates a context that tolerates, even encourages big emotions. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Well, that might explain why I resist all the writing that I want to do because big <laughs> feelings are not my jam. But it it made so much sense that, uh-huh. yeah, because we're not really structured in society mm-hmm. to encourage the expression of true feelings like that yeah. is not a thing we do. Mm-hmm. But creative work does allow for that. And so that was it was just a really interesting thing that lit up my brain. I had not considered before, and I mm-hmm. really appreciated them pointing that out. Yeah. No, I think that that's good. And it's funny because um, I I stopped writing about five years ago. About five years ago? Six years ago. It's been a while. Anyway, um, I stopped writing fiction. I started focusing on, uh, you know, my story expert work, how story works, podcasting, you know, teaching, all of this kind of stuff. Um, and, And moved away from fiction when I stopped feeling my emotions. You know, mm-hmm. when I was so deep in the trauma, um, deep in the abuse that um, that I couldn't feel anymore because I've always felt my way through my fiction. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I started with emotion and I worked from there and I created that emotion to try to make other people feel, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I cried. I wept during every every sad scene, every difficult, like I felt everything in all of my books. Couldn't feel anymore, couldn't write anymore. Um, And so the idea that, you know, creative expression um, creates a context that tolerates, even encourages big emotions, like... Yeah, I completely see that. And I completely see why, um, like, why I have preferred my creativity to be more analytical, more intellectual. You and I started this. Uh, you know, back in 2017, and both of us were like, well, okay, then, you know, can't we just read this book and analyze it? And that's it. Um, yes. And ended up bringing out <laughs> all of these like deep emotional experiences for both of us. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's really, really interesting. Because like, I I don't know that everybody experiences their creative expression that way. I'm sure that, you know, people experience it in all different ways. It's as varied. Creative expression is as varied as the people who, who you know, engage mm-hmm. in it. Um, but uh, but it re- is really interesting that I wonder if that is, you know, where that resistance comes for you in um, in writing the fiction, you know, that yeah. um, that it's just something that it, it you have to go. I, I don't know if you have to. I know that I have to. I don't know how everybody else has to do it. But I know that I have to go through emotions to get to fiction. And because my emotions haven't been accessible, you know, uh, completely, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be on one end of the spectrum or the other, either miserable and joyful, but never both, right? You know, um, then uh, I think maybe that's part of the reason why I haven't been able to write. And I wonder yeah. if that's what's blocking you. Yeah, I wondered that too when I mm-hmm. read it, because I was like, oh, willingly walk through that door on purpose with a pen. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, I so, love it. 
Yeah. So how do you know that you have completed the cycle? I do appreciate them for including this because Mm -hmm. it's not obvious to everyone. And I like the fact that they acknowledged that it's not obvious to everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like, and, and I love that these authors are twin sisters who have completely different experiences of emotional processing. Because I am team Amelia. Like, (laughs) emotions live in my body? What? (laughs) I, I, you know, like, my body might be telling me, hey, we need to process some stress, or hey, we've we've reached the end of the cycle. But just like when I turn the alarm on my dryer off Mm -hmm. because I don't like the buzz at the end of the cycle, (laughs) I've got that channel turned way way down and so like i don't (laughs) i don't notice either one um because loud noises are annoying but the what i have noticed is that other people see it in me Mm -hmm. so like when i am swimming um people will say you're glowing you look so happy gee you sound like you're in a good mood and like (laughs) (laughs) they notice it before i notice it Mm um and 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 that's kind of interesting and i need to be reminded like mm-hmm. that this does have an impact and that it does yeah. work because i am still i mean it, it, i don't know maybe my body and i speak different languages mm-hmm. or she's just real quiet and i can't i can't hear her but mm-hmm. they did say in the book when you begin practicing strategies to complete the cycle you may only feel some relief at first not necessarily the full relaxation of completion and that's okay All you need to do is recognize that you feel incrementally better than you felt before you started. And so I am really trying to notice and acknowledge when that happens, because Mm -hmm. I am in such a good mood when I get out of that swimming pool. It is almost ridiculous. (laughs) I know I felt better. I Mm -hmm. slept for eight hours last night. I could possibly take over the world today. (laughs) Um, But it is so easy to forget Mm -hmm or dismiss or diminish or ignore those things. So like I have to make an active effort to pay attention, to acknowledge that that is helping. Mm -hmm. Um, The good side of it is on the the occasions when I do actually feel peace in my body, I know it without question. Mm -hmm. You know, I I feel it in the arms of my sweetheart. I know it Mm -hmm. when I'm in the water. I know it when a book transports me to a flow state. So like I can recognize it when it's deep. Mm-hmm. It's the smaller day to day. I went in feeling super pissed off and I left feeling a little better. Those are much harder for me. So it's mm-hmm. the the constant stress cycle processes because you know, like the Hulk, like my secret is I'm always stressed out. So <laughs> I don't, <laughs> you know, so that's, <laughs> right. yeah. So I'm like, oh, great. Because that, that feedback channel mm-hmm. on me is maybe broken but it helped me to hear that one of the co-authors of burnout also struggles also with with, with knowing when that that cycle is done so what did you get out of completing the cycle section completing the cycle what is so funny to me um you know like i've i've it's such a complicated relationship that i have with my body i feel things or i have been this way i felt things and that is reality 
right? Mm. So if I feel guilty, it's because I'm terrible, not because I feel guilty. You know, like Mm -hmm. if I feel happy, it's because everything in the world is wonderful and not because I'm feeling happy at this moment. Like, um, so the idea that these emotions are just simply emotions that I'm feeling in my body and not indicators of actual reality is, is kind of a new way for me to look at this sort of thing. The idea that like, okay, I'm feeling shitty now. Um, and that means that I am feeling shitty now, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, first of all, the idea that I have any power to not feel shitty. Whoa. You know, um, (laughs) second of all, that this is something that I feel in my body and that is not, uh, like an intellectual processing of a, of a reality, you know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of a new way for me to look at it, that I, that it's just a cycle that needs to be finished. You know, that's kind of crazy. Um, but the thing is that, like, I'm thinking about it. And, like, I read this book some months ago, you know, for the first time. And so I, I was a little more conscious from there. I started doing the exercise and noticed because uh, I, I, I've quit smoking and drinking this year. Right. Good for you. Um, yeah. Well, not smoking. I mean, smoking. Yes. It was vaping. Like once once yeah. vapes came out, like I quit smoking a while back because it was gross, you know, um, and then vaping happened. And I'm like, oh, you mean I can get the nicotine and smell like cherries? Sign me <laughs> up. Right. <laughs> um, so then I was doing that for a while. And then at a certain point, I was like, OK, like this is uh, you know, nobody really knows. The science is not in on vaping yet. And like, um, you know, it's it's time to kind of let that go. Um So I I threw out all of my vaping stuff, you know, and then have not had any sense. And that's been good, you know, but like those were the things that I completed the cycle with. Right. When you smoke, Mm -hmm. you complete the cycle with a fucking cigarette. And I was kind of surprised that they didn't mention that as one of the things because (laughs) it's goddamn effective. So, by the way, is food. Right. There is a reason why we go to chocolate chip cookies or in my case, Raw chocolate chip cookie dough, uh, which, by the way, I do not <laughs> I do not recommend as a strategy because that's not necessarily like a safe thing to eat. But anyway, um, that's why we go to those things, because it, it does help us, you know, kind of work through uh, some of these things. It does. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't complete a cycle, but it gives me comfort. It's like that's self-comfort for me. I've been thinking about this because for me, it's thin, crispy chocolate chip cookies. Mm-hmm. So like you can have half the dough and then we'll bake the other. Yeah. The, mm-hmm. For me, because that's mm-hmm. what I love. And I, I've been thinking about this because I'm like, all right, but this works. Like it might not be good for me, but it works. And right. My theory is it gives the illusion of working. Mm-hmm. My theory is it it masks what's actually going on. So you get. Right a 10 minute reprieve and you think you feel better and then you're just actually adding on and making the big pile worse. Yes, because then you've like when I'm angry, I process that with Doritos. And let me tell you mm. something about Doritos. Um, they have this like very violent crunch to them, which is incredibly mm-hmm. satisfactory when I'm angry, right? Yeah. Um, and then I have enough of them and sometimes by quote unquote enough, I mean like half a bag. Um, and I, you know, I've, I feel like I've processed some of my anger. The anger is still there. And then also there is this sense of like 
bodily grossness, you know, that like, and I'm not like, you know, I'm not like a purist about food by any means. I don't think food has a moral value. Um, But I do think that too much of something that you are ingesting not to nourish your body, which is the purpose of ingesting things, but to... Uh, to give yourself a physical feeling that is not the the physical part of the emotion that you're trying to like process through or get rid of. Um, You know, I think that that's when like when I eat too much and when I kind of go in like that's why that's the emotional eating part of it. And I think you're right. I think it it, it what it does is it um, it creates a, a, a dogfight in your body for which emotion, which feeling is going to take precedence, you know. And even when I'm vomitous after half a bag of Doritos, like at least I'm not feeling the guilt, the shame. The, well, no, shame definitely will come after but, you know, but like whatever it was, whatever the horrible feeling was that I had before, you know, something else is louder now, you know, mm-hmm. and that maybe it's it's that loudness that I'm looking for so that I don't have to yeah. process this through. Um, but yep. one of the things that I found really funny was I got an Oculus Quest, which is like this VR headset, you know, um, in October. And I started going to that the way I used to go to cigarettes. I would get stressed out about something. I would get annoyed. I'd go into this game called Beat Saber and I would beat the shit out of these imaginary boxes, you know, but they have like a little haptic response and it feels really satisfying. You get to slice them in half and you could be really, really mad about it. Um, and, uh, And I would feel better by the end of it. And having, you know, read this book, I was like, ah, oh, so that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it explains uh it explains quite a lot. So we have one section left. Mm-hmm. Signs you need to deal with the stress, even if it means ignoring the stressor. What did you take away from this section? Oh yeah. Like the things that you do when uh-huh. how, when how you're do not you know you're dealing with stress. <laughs> well, one of the first things they said is you do the same apparently pointless thing over and over again or engage in self-destructive behaviors. Hello, sour cream and cheddar chips. Yes. Um, <laughs> the chandeliering, as we talked about with Brene Brown, that is when you have an overstated emotional response to pain, you fly into the air and hit the chandelier is the is the metaphor for that. Um, and my uh, as I've gone to my therapist a number of times in the past year being like, why is this a big deal? What actually happened is not a big deal. And she was like, hey, when you feel like you're overreacting to something, you're not. What you're doing is you're associating it with your trauma and your trauma is the thing that you are reacting to. So the incident itself may feel like you're way overreacting, but the fact of the matter is that that there's trauma associated. And so that's mm-hmm. what makes you chandelier. That's what makes you jump into the, into the ceiling. Um, you turn into a bunny hiding in a hedge. Uh, withdrawal, check. This is number one with a bullet for me. Um, I withdraw completely when I'm stressed out. And you know this. I know that Kelly knows this because whenever yep. I withdraw, I get a text. Hey, baby, how you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she knows if she doesn't hear from me, she knows something's going on. Um, your body feels out of whack. This one, I don't feel as much, maybe because my body is always a little bit out of whack. And so like, is, is there a new way in which it's out of whack? Um, so those are all of the things that that tell you that you need to sit down with your body and your stress and process it through. So how did you respond to that list? 
So I again, I felt like I want I, I should win like a prize <laughs> or something for my bingo card because they were like mm-hmm. self-destructive behaviors, and I'm like world champion achievement unlocked. Yes, check, check, mm-hmm. check. Um, bunny hiding under the hedge to a certain extent, um, mm-hmm. but I'm really good at faking that. So. But, you know, it, it not always. Your body mm-hmm. feels out of whack. And I was like, well, only for about 28 years. So <laughs> maybe not that big a deal. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But I, I do. I have learned inflammation makes everything hurt. Pain makes everything harder. Yeah. And I constantly feel like I'm at war with my body. So mm-hmm. I was like, great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, but they had this, they defined wellness, which I also appreciated. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. They said, to be well is not to live in a state of perpetual safety and calm, but to move fluidly from the state of adversity, risk, adventure, or excitement back to safety and calm and out again. Mm -hmm. Wellness happens when your body is a place of safety for you, even when your body is not necessarily in a safe place. Mm -hmm. And I found that fascinating. Yeah. That like the idea that you're, you know, I was trying to think poetically of an animal that carries its shell on its back and the word escaped me and now it's turtle. (laughs) Um, That like (laughs) your body is where you hunker down, like you Mm -hmm. are safe in your body, even if you're in a stressful situation at work or you're, you know, something's happening that like you have that connection to your physical self. Mm-hmm. That that's how they're defining wellness. And I just, I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. I was so thrown off by that. Um, mm. Wellness happens when your body is a place of safety. Even when your body is not necessarily a safe place. In the, a safe I, place. In, in a, safe, a place. safe place. Okay. Yeah. Um, funny. Because when I translated that, uh, even when your body is not necessarily a safe place. Yeah, when your body is not in a safe place. That is interesting. Yep, I had to read it three times. Yes, I did. Because my my brain automatically blocked out the end. And I I was like, that doesn't make sense. And I went back. And then I was like, oh, when you're physically not somewhere safe, but you still feel safe inside your body. Okay, 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 okay. I see what you did there. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And I I was like, yeah. My note for that was, I don't understand what that means. Like, I don't understand what it means for your body to be a safe place. And it is not until I read that line that I thought I have never felt safe in my body. Me neither. Uh, Yeah, that's so it's like, and I don't even know, like, I have a feeling that that is something that I'm going to be processing for a long time. Mm -hmm. That I don't feel safe in my body. Yeah, I, I, I mean, to me, so like, you know how when we read Rising Strong, we were kind of joking about the the wholehearted people that were yes. in Brene Brown's studies. Who are studies. these people? We, we were like, exactly. where did she meet these people? Who are these people? How are they? Whatever. So I they have don't kind of exist. this, yes. right? I have this same kind of relationship with the idea of like runners high. Like I think it's a myth. <laughs> I understand some people experience it. Whatever. I you know it's it's fine. It's, it's yeah. I'm. It, it must be nice for them. Like I don't. But I can't. I can't fathom like I can't imagine what that feels like it is it is a a fantasy space for me and like this idea of like oh you feel safe in your body I'm like okay really tell me more like what 
So like, I need that VR experience. Like we should be able to put on goggles and see what this feels like. Yes. Because that would be amazing. And then right. I would know it was a thing. Uh-huh. Because for now, I'm just like, yeah, okay. I mean, great. If you... <laughs> right. If, <laughs> if that, you are if eternal that... and it works for you, wonderful. No, it's it's one of those those things that you can... You know, you're like, yeah, okay. You know, fine if that works for you. When deep down inside, you're like, no, that's not real. No, you know? that does like, not actually not exist. But I'm yeah. I'm very happy for you. It's I, not yeah. real. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so happy for you. That you yeah. can have that experience, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I and I wonder too. The idea of like you know, and I've been talking about this throughout this whole episode is is the idea that your you know my relationship with my body is inherently antagonistic. That I have in here, my body is not my friend. Like I am mm-hmm. not on a friendly you know uh, basis with my body, um, and I, I you know. That I just like, I I, clearly I can't even speak. I I don't know how to process that. I don't know how to think about that. Because when I take a step back after like having this discussion, my body should be a place where I feel safe. My body should be a place where I feel safe. And I know that there are a couple of people who have taken that safety away from me in a couple of instances. Um, But, but now like, you know, it's it's mine. I exist within it, right? I am not just a brain in a jar, you know. I exist within my body. My body is part of my whole experience. And on, on more importantly, it's fucking mine. Yeah. You know? Like why why do I not take ownership of this thing that is mine and embrace it and make it something that I can have a peaceful, loving, safe relationship with. Um I don't know. Going to be thinking about that. That's a big thing. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. More more cheese to define. Ugh. Oh, my God. All that so, cheese. This was a lot. And this is mm-hmm. the first chapter. I'm just going <laughs> to. I know. Here we are. We're almost an hour and a half chapter in this discussion. One. Yeah. Dude. So mm-hmm. what was your big idea? What was your aha moment from this chapter? Uh, Well, you know, the thing that I most responded to is wellness is not a state of being, but a state of action. I was like, yes, hello, do like, subscribe. Like I was absolutely (laughs) into that. Give me something I can do. Give me an action that I can take. That is what I'm always looking for. So I like this idea that um, that wellness is an active verb. Mm-hmm. You know, how about you? Mm-hmm. What was your big idea? I like you have to do something mm-hmm. because the little rebel that lives in me, when, <laughs> I don't like being bossed around by anyone, including myself. Yeah. So if this was a, a very specific list, you must walk in a circle for 20 minutes mm-hmm. while staring at the sun. I would never do it. I wouldn't do it just because being told what to do would piss me off. Like, it doesn't matter if it works. Right. I'm not going to do it. But you have to do something. Mm-hmm. It's a broad field upon which and you I get to dance. choose because you get to pick, right? Which means that you also need to recognize what helps you mm-hmm. and acknowledge that so you can remember it later. Yeah, you know when you're in the thing. So I, but I like you have to do something. You have to do something, but you can pick what that thing is. I love it so much because we both picked on that like at different points in the script, right? When I wrote that line down from the book, I put the emphasis on do. You have to do Mm -hmm. something, 
right? Mm -hmm. And you put the emphasis on something. You have to do something, right? And I find that so interesting that the same words and essentially the same concepts, we both come at it from the thing that makes us comfortable, you not being pinned down or boxed in and me being able to take action. Yep. You know, yep. so yeah, yeah it's very, it's very, it's very fun. <laughs> what is your strong challenge? What did you resist? Oh, dear God. Uh, quote, unquote, <laughs> trust your body. Like mm-hmm. what? Who do you think you're talking to? You know, I mean, again, antagonistic relationship with my body. I got to start working on that because I think that like, here's the thing. Yes. None of this. Like, I don't understand what the hell you're talking about. Doctors Nagoski or whatever. I have to feel my way out of stress. What the fuck with that? At the same time, looking at it like, yeah, you're right. It's time for me to stop doing this. It is time for me to stop having this relationship with my body, being mad at it because I mean, like, okay, you know, I mean, like, of course, I have an antagonistic relationship with my body. I grew up as a, I don't know, three, what was I three, maybe four, being called fat, being called ugly, mm-hmm. um, you know, like uh, having like uh, having, um, my, you know, my body be a source of of ridicule and disappointment. As far back as I can remember, I don't remember a time when I did not feel fat and ugly because that's what I was told that I was from some of the first words that were ever spoken to me, you know? I'm so so um, sorry. Yeah. You know, what are you going to do, right? People suck. Um, so, So the thing is that like the idea that I can turn around and love this thing that from the beginning of my existence has been a source of pain for me. Um, is, um, is on the one hand, uh, impossible for me to like wrap my mind around. And on the other hand, fuck yeah, give, give it back to me. It's mine. You know, like I want it back. I own this thing. It is mine. It is beautiful. Fuck you. And let's pick up and move through that. So yes, my strong challenge, the thing that I resisted, trust your body, but it is not my body that has betrayed me. It was the people who, you know, I was vulnerable to as a very, very young child. They were Mm -hmm. the ones that betrayed me, not my body. So if I can heal this relationship where, you know, we've been fighting with each other when in reality, the thing that was the problem has been long gone, you know, there doesn't need to be an antagonistic relationship here. And so that's the thing that I'm going to start, you know, working on now. All right. So what was your strong challenge? <laughs> um, I, so and again, I'm ch- it's a challenge, be- not because I disagree with it, mm-hmm. uh, just because it feels really hard, because I feel like I will never catch up. Yeah. So when they said, you know, most of us are walking around with decades of incomplete stress response cycles simmering away in our chemistry, just waiting for a chance to complete. I'm like, great. So mm-hmm. I'm 43. Right. So if I spend the next 43 years processing this shit, then I'll be 86 and even. And like, I ain't nobody got time for that. So I <laughs> I feel like I'm starting so far mm-hmm. back from the finish yeah. line. They're like, how, how, you know, how do I even do this? Um, but it was interesting, like hearing you just talk just now that I realized, I mean, I give my body a very hard time. Um, mm-hmm. But it has worked very hard to keep me alive. And and I have not yeah. always made that easy, mm-hmm. you know, for, yep. for it. Um, and that is really all it's ever tried to do. So I'm yep. like, 
So you have 43 years of experience with this thing who has tried all the time to keep you alive. Maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe be kind to it. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's an interesting new thought. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So what's your homework? Um, so I'm going to be very practical about my homework. Instead mm-hmm. of saying I'm going to think about a thing, I am All going right. to swim three times this week. I'm going to do the things to help facilitate a good night's sleep. Acknowledge how it feels. Because eight hours of sleep feels amazing, y'all. I can't even I can't even tell you how good I feel today. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which means I have to say it out loud. I have to tell someone I went swimming and now I feel good. Like I have to do that. Oh, text me. Report yeah, to me. Beca- yeah. Because next week I'm going to be like, ah, I want to swim. And you're going to be like, here are your words. It is difficult to argue with your own data. so (laughs) i have to say the thing um and then i have to report back here which is great yes (laughs) what about you what's your homework oh my god well you know i mean originally in the script i have noticed the feeling named the feeling processed the feeling through my body this whole thing but that feels um you know i feel like what i need to do is really pay attention to the ways in which i like i need to honor my body like i need to mend these fences i need to like yeah. you said you know make up with this thing that has done nothing but try to keep me alive you know mm-hmm. um and and find a way to to love my physical existence, like the physical yeah. expression of me on this planet, right, is my body. So um, I'm going to think about ways that I can express love and appreciation and gratitude um, for what my body has been and, and how that. well it's done by me. So I think I'm going to come in here with a list of things Remember how you made me write the you must be this tall list, right? I I need to write out and quantify, acknowledge the ways in which my body has done right by me, has been good to me, you know, and so that is a a gratitude list, a love letter to my body. I'm going to have to write that and then read it on the podcast and it's going to be gross, but it's okay. I'm going to do it. I love it. And it's not going to be gross. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> so what is your favorite part of chapter one? Oh, God. Um, this is just such a tiny little moment. But when Amelia tells the story of Emily driving an hour and a half to bring her a book, it yep. made me cry. Like, this was the moment when I read that and I was like, oh, my God. You know, like, and there's something like that. And you know what's really funny? You know the song Goodbye Earl by the Chicks? Oh, yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. There's that line in Goodbye Earl. Right away, Marianne flew in from Atlanta on a red-eye midnight flight, right? Um, She held Wanda's hand and they worked out a plan and it didn't take long to decide that Earl had to die. Earl had to die. That's not the important point. The important point is that Marianne, Wanda was beat up in the hospital, you know, falling apart. And Marianne got on a plane and went to go be with her. And that... That friendship. Oh, Jesus Christ. I wasn't supposed to cry this season. That friendship. No, actually, this book instructs you to cry. You were following the instructions beautifully. You're doing great. And I was like, book, bitch, don't tell me what to do. Um, But anyway, (laughs) um, there is something about that 
that kind of friendship and that kind of love where you would get on a plane, you know, and I have been the recipient of that with you. Like you have done that for me. Um, Oh, Jesus Christ. Through all these years. Um, when we first started BSY, um, I was in the middle of absolute horror. You didn't even know me. Like, I mean, you did, you know, like we were familiar with each other, you know, but like we weren't particularly close, you know. Um, And you showed up for me in ways that are, um, God, that were just so powerful and so wonderful and have become like such an important friend. And I would get on a red eye flight for you at any moment. And I know that you would for me. And there's something about that kind of love story. You know, like I love a love story. Yeah. And um, Jesus, to have that, <laughs> that love story, that best friend, that sister, you know, who mm-hmm. will, who will poison a man <laughs> with black Without eyed question, peas baby. Absolutely. and stick him in a trunk <laughs> And then open up, open up, you know, a roadside stand. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, like that to me is, I think, um, is such an expression of like, deep, deep love that I have for you and that you have for me. And that, that has been the thing that kept me alive over the last few years. Like, that was the thing that got me through it, you know? And I just like when I see those stories, you know, yeah. um, that always, always gets me, you know. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. oh, I wasn't going to cry so this season. I love you so much. I but love you too. And like you're feeling love for me and that makes me all warm and gooey. But I love oh. you like crazy. And yeah, I mean, the, this I've never, you know, I don't have a biological sister, but I have a sister. Yeah. And and I'm always so grateful for that. And I love you. But, I love um, you too. But yeah, my my. Favorite part was in that same space because Emily kept, keeps giving Amelia all the books. Yes. That is my love language. Like, you <laughs> need to read you, these books. That's how we started this podcast because you were giving me books when I was falling apart. Yes. It was so lovely to read yeah. that. I'm like, I can give my sister's books too. Like, that's mm-hmm. how you show love. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So we want to hear your thoughts from chapter one. So to join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag Big Strong Yes. Also, be sure to follow Chipperish Media at Chipperish to stay connected with all of our podcasts. You can find out more about the book and the Doctors Nagowski at burnoutbook.net. This episode of Big Strong Yes was brought to you by the Chipperish Media Producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why Big Strong Yes is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to Stephania, Shelly, Rose, Jonathan, Alice, Kristen, Sarah, Christina, Erica, and Abigail. And this week's special message for our power producers, wellness is not a state of being, but a state of action. $5 and up Patreon supporters get Lonnie's reaction show with Ian Martin of Passion of the Nerd. Let's watch Roulette, where Lonnie and Ian randomly roll something on Netflix and watch it live. $10 and up Patreon supporters also get to attend live tapings of Big Strong Yes and all the other podcasts we do at Chippers Media. Head on over to patreon.com slash chippers to find out what waits for you when you decide to support. 
You can also show your support for Big Strong Yes by going to Apple Podcast and giving us a review or telling your friends about the show and Shipperish Media or moving fluidly through the cycles of being human. Aww. We'll be back next time with Chapter 2, Hashtag Persist. Until then, today's closing quote is from Nora Roberts. If you don't go after what you want, you'll never have it. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. If you don't step forward, you're always in the same place. <laughs>